One of the things I loved as a kid and still love today is the movie Back in the Future. Any Back in the Future? Oh, that's the first time I think I've ever got claps ever for something. A clip from. Uh, love this. Love this movie. Um, it, it introduced me to time travel and hoverboards, and it introduced me to something else: Huey Lewis in the news which I uh, was unaware of until I saw this movie, which is most of the music in this, this movie. And this week we're talking about this power that love has, the power of love. And you have to, if you're talking about the power of love, you have to quote Huey Lewis in the news. As the great theologian Huey Lewis once said, the power of love is a curious thing. Make one man weep, make another man sing. These sound so much lamer when they're not to the, to the song. Change a hawk to a little white dove. More than a feeling, that's the power of love. You don't need money. Don't take fame. Don't need no credit card to ride this train. It's strong and it's sudden and it's cruel sometimes, but it might just save your life. That's the power of love. That's the power of love, friends. This is like most songs, right? If you just... Turn on the radio if anyone still does that, or if you just look through the songs that you love. Uh, love uh, is the theme, right? Is the, the motivator behind many, many things. This isn't a new thing. In fact, last week I had another moment where, I, uh, where you see this often. Also, I just wanted to celebrate Nimi and Colin. Nimi and Colin got married last week. Isn't that exciting? I know, two claps in a row, wow. Uh, thrilled to be a part of their wedding. Uh, and it reminded me of a moment I actually had that reminds me of that power of love with a groom. I was standing up. This isn't, this is just stock footage, but stock photo, but I was standing next to a, a groom. We had an outdoor wedding and um, we were standing right next to one another. It was a gentleman I, I've known for a long time. And uh, the, his bride was walking from really far away. It was one of those moments in a wedding that was planned that um, was planned. And, and we didn't realize like that reality of it, how like kind of long it took. So we saw her walking from far, far away through this path. And so we just stood there and you know, he's like weepy. And, and I said, how you doing? And he said, oh, so good. I feel like I could do anything right now. And as he's watch, watching his bride come down the aisle, which I think just kind of sums it up. There's something about knowing someone in that moment for him that there's someone who loves him so much that they're willing to commit to make a covenant with him, that this love like it changes him. That in the moment, feeling that love as she's walking down and he's seeing her and all that makes him feel like I could do anything right now. I think it does. Love tends to do that. This power that love has uh, also doesn't just come to us and affect us, but also it's just something that we feel towards other things. This affection and love we feel, sometimes even lust that we feel towards things. Love actually is something that can draw people together and things together. It's something that binds them together. It's magnetic uh, in its power. It also attaches people to one another. It creates like a permanent bond and keeps you connected once you are connected. Biologically, actually, uh, in lots of studies that are done, even in just brain scans, uh, trying to figure out how, how do you define and connect love to what's going on in your body. You actually release chemicals in your body uh, when, when you're th thinking or talking or experiencing what, what we use the word love for. It can actually cause you to become energetic, euphoric, 
or giddy, the one study also had said, causes people to become giddy, which I did not know was a scientific term, but giddy, uh, which is true, right? So much uh, that it can actually cause, if there's a, a great uh, stimulation of love, like they're they showing people were looking at pictures of different people from strangers to people that they knew they already had a relationship that they would say they loved. And as they showed the picture of someone who they loved, their brain would light up. And it says, at to some point, people would lose appetite. It would actually even induce insomnia. That It's so powerful that it affects you in that way. It literally can cause you to not eat or sleep um, in a good or, or bad way. It has this power. Uh, and often we've experienced that even just in our love for things, right? People or a sports team or lots of sports teams or money or just a love to be famous or known, a love for peace or comfort would, would cause us, right? It actually motivates us to do things, to make lots of decisions we have. Just the love for these things can do that. Love can make us do irrational things, sometimes even harmful things or silly things seem to not make sense from the outside, but if you were kind of within the person, you realize, oh, there's a motivator, a love, an attraction, a connection for this thing. It can change how we treat each other. We're willing to fight for it. We're willing to spend a lot of time and even money. I had a friend who was a banker a long time ago who he said, I can tell what people love by looking at their checking account. <laughs> he, spent, he spends all day uh, looking through... Um, people's accounts at a bank to make sure there's not fraud or there's not, uh, this was back when we didn't have like algorithms, I think that did that. And he literally, he said, all day I see what people love by looking at their checking account. It made me feel a little nervous. It's like, oh, please don't tell me what I love for my checking account. And so we're in the book of Ephesians and we are looking today at the power of love. We kind of know that this is a thing that I, if I just ask you say, yeah, that's for sure a powerful thing in my life. And, uh, it's really no different than what Paul prays for, but Paul prays for us to experience the power of Christ's love and understands that that's a thing that's even different. It's like on a different scale and it changes us. And so that's what we're looking at today in Ephesians. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Ephesians 3. Last week, so thankful Paul was here. Uh, not the Apostle Paul that wrote the book, but we found a different Paul to come in. Uh, Paul, who serves at our lower town location, is an elder there and pastor in training, he um, so thrilled he could come and share about this mystery that was revealed uh, to us and the church. And, uh, and now we get to, to share, this is one of my all-time favorite moments in Ephesians. And I, it's actually a prayer that um, Paul gives us. It's like this kind of big finale to this part of Ephesians before he gets into the part of Ephesians where he says, okay, now this stuff is true. Now, what does that look like in life? Um, and he prays this prayer. And if, if you remember this prayer, when we were online, um, meeting online for over a year, uh, feels like a long time ago. Uh, I prayed this almost every week. This is the way I ended. I thought, if nothing else, I want this, us to leave with this prayer. Um, and so I'm going to pray it. Uh, I'm going to read it, pray it again now, and then we're going to just walk through what is this and why, why it would be, be so important and why would Paul want this written to us. So this is Ephesians 3, uh, 14, just through 19 right now. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, for whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, 
together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Let's take a little time to walk through this, unpack it a little bit. We'll start right in the beginning. For this reason, I kneel before the Father from every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. It, over and over again, we've seen in Ephesians, Paul tells us, this is, this is about God and who he is. And I'm going to kneel. It's this act, this symbol of like submitting to, to God it, before him and saying, Father, these, these are your people, all of us, and, and we need you. So actually this, I love this. I've been waiting to, to quote Walter Wink because he's like another great name. Walter Wink says this. He says, to worship is to remember who owns the house. I like that. I, I love that feeling of to pray is to say, to start this prayer reminds me of this quote. Yeah, God, you own the house. It's your family. It's yours. And I'm asking you because you're the owner of the house that we're all in. So just that's how the prayer starts. And then Paul goes into it. Then this is what he's actually praying for, for us. After all he's shared so far in Ephesians, he says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. He uses this word glorious riches, this phrase again. We see this before about God's lavish love and grace and mercy on us. And this again, his glorious riches. This, this just abundant, he he's just has so much and he's so generous in it. And he prays that that would strengthen us with power through his spirit in our inner being. He's praying, God, I want you to strengthen these people d- deep inside of them. That, that deep like motivator of who they are, the thing that, that moves them to do all the things they do. I want you to strengthen them so that Christ will dwell within them. Lynn Kohick says it this way, Paul drives home the point that the Christian life is powered by the Spirit. Today we might say that Christians run on electricity, not on batteries. God has not designed a motor that once he turns it on will run on its own. Instead, it needs a constant current, which is the Spirit. I like this imagery that she gives us. It reminds me this last week, our family uh, got to spend a few days in Arizona with, uh, with uh, Kelly's, my wife's parents. It was, it was amazing and warm. Mostly it was just really warm, which is pretty amazing. Uh, and uh, we had these things, these things over here, these battery packs with us. This has become kind of a, a standard in our house for uh, the phones that we carry with us. And we had them so that if our phone died on the plane, we made sure we had power and we didn't know exactly how, where we'd be staying. And so like... I don't know why I thought there wouldn't be outlets where we were staying. I don't know. Does Arizona have the same type of plugs as us? Uh, I, didn't have, I brought my European converters. And, um, but I, we had these, right? And then actually what happened was after a day or two, we used those battery packs. Those died. So then, I, oh, and then we had to recharge the battery packs, which then recharged our phones. Probably should have taken the middleman out and just plugged them in. Uh, but I love that she, she shares this. She says, Paul here is saying, I, I, want, I want them connected to the, the real source, the thing that really brings strength and power. And not just, uh, God didn't just say like, here you go, and now you have it. We still have to be connected to the spirit, to the one who really brings that power plugged into that. I, I really like that imagery, and it makes me think about, there's times I think I go off kind of my own, and the battery dies, and then I come back, 
and say, oh God, I need a recharge and I'm sort of already dead and weak. And it kind of has to like slowly come back. And what would it look like to have a life that maybe consistently was plugged in? Um, I mean, there was a season in youth ministry where like every youth group was called like the outlet or plugged in and everyone had a logo that looked like an outlet uh, for good reason because we want to encourage how, how we consistently be connected to the source of strength. He continues to pray. Uh, he doesn't just say that. He says, and I pray now that you, I want you to be connected to that power source in the spirit so you dwell in Christ and I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge. He uses this word love a lot, has throughout Ephesians so far. Use this word power again. This time he uses this phrase that we see also all over scripture of being rooted and established in this love. He gives us this imagery that I don't want you just to be strong, but I want your roots down deep. Where like where you're getting your nutrients, where your stability comes from. I want it rooted in this love. This love that comes from Christ. Actually, I want you to know like how enormous this is. And the way he describes it is how wide and long and deep and high. It's like in every direction. Some theologians have said, that he might be here describing the cross, like the up and down and left and right, you know, like a symbol of a cross. Others say he's just describing directions. So you think like this is in every direction. Love is just enormous. It comes from everywhere in all these directions. God is, has this enormous amount of love. Another theologian I read just said like, it could be all those things. It's enormous. He just wants us to know God's love is enormous and wants us, wants us to actually grasp it. Not just say, yeah, yeah, I know. I, I know God loves me a lot. And then kind of go back to life. But say, no, I want you to, I want the power to enter you. I want the spirit to change your heart so that Christ would dwell in you. I want you to know this love that surpasses knowledge. And I want you to be rooted in that. This is very similar language we hear in Colossians. So then just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith, as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. It's the same image of being rooted in, in Christ, except this one gives us even a little extra imagery, one that we love to talk about here um, at Hope Heights, this idea of being rooted in that and growing in that to a point that actually would overflow out of you. That if you want to have gospel kind of action in your life, if you want to see your behavior change so it looks more Christ-like, then at first we're rooted so he dwells in us, we're strengthened by him, and that would overflow out of us. So he wants us to be strengthened by the spirit that Christ would dawn us that this, we'd actually understand and comprehend this love, that it would actually land, like make sense. Like you go like, whoa, that's real. And that power would change us. And I love how he describes it here, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Do you hear this? Like there's this, this enormousness to the love of Christ and that fills us and that you'd actually be full, like whole from understanding this. Lynn says it this way. She says, Paul has shown the Ephesians in the previous chapters, the redemption plan of God enacted in Christ. So that all that we've read for the first three chapters of Ephesians is just explained really all who we are and who Christ is and who God is. 
He's enacted in Christ and sealed by the Spirit. These amazing realities, however, are not merely facts to be known for the final exam that if passed gets us into heaven. Right? These are more than even just knowledge. Instead, Paul recognizes that these truths must come alive in the church and in each believer's heart and mind, thereby providing the energy to be faithful, to be the church to and for the world. Paul's prayer swells from a desire that the Ephesians might experience the reality of God's fullness in their redeemed life. She goes on to actually say, as if we were sponges that could hold no more water. Isn't that a great image. Like if we could soak up the love of Christ to the point we can't even hold any more water, we're dripping with the love of Christ. That if you just wring us out a little bit, that anyone around us is going to experience this love of Christ. That's not just something we know. We don't just go, yeah, yeah I know that. Now what else can I know? But something that lands in us, I think, especially in a time where um, often we are just grabbing for more content. How can I listen to more things or know more things? If I just know more, if I know enough, then it will solve this problem. Paul here, it's the same thing. The people, the same thing we're dealing with all this. They were dealing with the same thing. They, were, they, they thought they could know enough. At the time, there were even these mystery cults. We've, we've talked about this before. These groups where there's a person who said, I know the, all the secrets to the world. And if you come, if you do these things, if you give me some money, if you, if you do these rituals and you, you follow these, this plan, then you'll like rank higher and higher in our group. And eventually you'll know everything. You'll know all the secrets of the world. And, and Paul's saying, it's not just knowing these things, but how do they land in you and on your heart and change you? And God wants you to be full. There's a fullness to life. We hear this uh, in the words of Jesus in John 10, 10. The thief comes to steal and destroy. I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. Christ comes to give us life and not just a taste of life, but a fullness, a wholeness to us. So Paul's prayer for us, for the church in Ephesus and, and us today, we can hear this prayer and say, yes, God, Fill me to the fullness of your love so I'd really understand it. That I wouldn't just know, yes, these things are true. Yes, this is the gospel. I've been saved by grace. I was dead and now I'm alive. But it would, like, it would land. That's even some of that is just an act of the Spirit in us. Pray and ask, God, God, I want you to fill me. I want you to make me whole. And then he ends his prayer by directing us back <clears throat> to the one who he continuously directs us back to throughout all of this reminds us that this book of Ephesians isn't about just about how awesome we are. Hey, God's made you awesome and you're awesome and go be awesome. But instead he has said, remember this ultimately is God redeeming his people and bringing himself glory. And he says this at the end of Ephesians 3, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we all ask or imagine, according to his power that is a work within you, to him be glory in the church and in Christ." Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. I love prayers when they end with forever and ever. Amen. That feels like the right way to end a prayer. Uh, I don't ever do that. I should do that more as I pray. This passage reminds us, we, you're talk, Paul is talking to his father, his heavenly father, who can do immeasurably more than we even ask or imagine. We see this in other parts of scripture where it says like you should ask for more than you can imagine. Or you should know God even though he is unknowable in some way. Like there's this, like I don't know, how does that, that's paradox of this. I love though that he says here, 
God, you are bigger and grander, and even this love is more than we can even imagine. How do you pray for something that's more than you can even imagine? It's, it's bigger than could come out of your brain or out of your heart. You think, God, I know you can do that. I know that power is at work within us. And I know that is to bring you glory so that you would have fame and glory, that we could just be lights, that people could see your image when they see us. We see this um, happen kind of throughout Scripture, this idea of more than we ask or imagine. I think this passage, when I first read it, I, I can tend to go, oh yeah, God, give me more than I want in the sense of like, God, I'm praying for like 50 bucks, but I know you're going to give me like 10 million bucks. Or like, I'm praying for like, to, to not be so grumpy, and you're going to give me like a billion degrees of happiness. Like in my, th- that's still in my head. That's even still like what I can imagine. And there's an element of like, just give me a lot more of what I really desire. I think there's an element here of him giving us beyond what we can imagine. Is it just necessarily like quantitative. It's not just like, I want this much and you're going to give me this much. It's like, I want this much and you give me this other thing that I didn't even know I needed or wanted. That's better. We see this throughout scripture. We see this when God moves waters and makes a path for God's people to go to safety in the Red Sea. They didn't imagine that happening. Nobody stood there and was said, man, it'd be cool right now if God like moved the waters and we escaped and then he took out the, the enemy he does this incredible thing they didn't even imagine. He does it when he protects a man in a lion's den. You think that guy's done. And then not, not just protects him, but he ends up sleeping and snuggling with lions instead of being devoured by them. More than we could imagine. He does it when a young boy overcomes a giant warrior. You think that's more than we could have imagined in that moment. We, just, we, we see it when God's courage is in a young queen as she saves her people in the story of Esther. We see it as a birth of a baby comes and that baby's going to save the world. We weren't thinking about that. Hey, here's a good plan. Let's have a baby come and save the world. No way. More than we could have imagined and better than we could have imagined. And, and the story I just love is from Luke 15. Let's just zoom into one of these moments where God does more than we can imagine the love of Christ fills someone and changes someone. So in Luke 15, we hear the story uh, of a a guy and some of his friends. Uh, One day Jesus was teaching and the Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. They'd come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. Yeah, the power of the Lord was with them. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him in the house to lay him before Jesus. They had a plan to come, bring their paralyzed friends so Jesus would heal them. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on a roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles in the middle of the crowd, right in front of Jesus. Maybe you've heard this story before. I remember drawing this picture as a kid where they, you know, you get to like make a hole in a roof of a house and then you lower the person down in there. These friends brought their friend. They couldn't get to Jesus. And so they decided, let's climb on the roof and make a hole. And we're going to lower our paralyzed friend so that he can have time with Jesus because Jesus can heal our friend. We just got to get him to Jesus. 
They have to be imagining that Jesus would heal him, that he could walk again. That maybe he could even earn a living now that he could support himself or help his friends, that he could care for others in a way he couldn't when he was paralyzed. That Jesus could give him his life back. It would even change his status socially amongst the people. They have to be imagining all that could happen just if Jesus could just touch his legs like they had heard and he would heal and stand up. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. He doesn't say like, I healed your legs. You can walk. He says, your sins are forgiven. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? They're not, they're not happy. The, the religious leaders are not happy because Jesus is suddenly saying much, much more than just healing a guy's legs. He's saying, I'm God. I can actually forgive sins. Only God can do that. So they're upset. Is this guy saying he's God? Jesus knew what they were thinking and asked, why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven or to say, get up and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. Immediately he stood up in front of them, took what he had been lying on and went home praising God. Everyone was amazed and, pra- and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe. You hear this phrasing him, there's power happening here. There's a filling, a fullness. They were filled with awe and said, we have seen remarkable things today. I feel like that's not like strong enough, that phrase. There's got to be a better translation of, that was unreal, right? That was, I mean, I think I, I recently was hanging out with some middle schoolers. That was lit. Is that what I'm supposed to say? Is that what I'm supposed to say now? Yeah? No, that's not, sorry. I'm sure that's bomb behind already. Can you imagine this? You can't. No one there imagined it. They, they came there thinking they were going to hear this guy talk. Maybe he'll do some miracles. Their friend came who was paralyzed and they said, hey, hey, watch this guy's legs get healed. And Jesus says, yeah, I'm going to heal your legs, but first I'm going to make you whole, like whole, whole. You thought you're going to get a life back because your legs would work? I'm going to give you life, capital L-I-F-E, life. You never could have imagined this. Your life is not just changed because you can walk. Your life is completely changed. You see how he responds? He takes his mat. He goes home praising God. Everyone was filled with awe because more than they could ever imagine had happened. Maybe they had some creative ideas of what could have happened, but never beyond. This is just beyond. It's incredible. God comes not just to heal this thing that we want healed, but to bring this grander healing, this grander life. I I feel this often. I come to God and I want a thing, right? I maybe want him to help me walk or maybe make me taller. Maybe you can make my foot, feet the same size. That'd be helpful. Maybe just make my feet like a size 10 so I can always find shoes on clearance. I have big feet and you never find deals on shoes. That'd be nice. Or maybe you could just make me run faster, make me a little smarter. Maybe I could really be creative and think like, maybe you give me like horse legs and I could run really fast. But now I'm a centaur, is that okay? Right, right, we can think of, we can think 
There's some really creative people in the room. You could think of and imagine some pretty incredible things. And God goes beyond all of that, right? We have to be careful here. I think sometimes we think of Jesus just as like, a, is this a commercial? Or even like when we're here on Sunday together, this is just a commercial for Jesus. He'll fulfill your wildest dreams, right? And we just are like, here, hey, buy this Jesus. He'll, he'll make all your dreams come true. When in fact, we're here to say, this Jesus wants to know you and he loves you and he will make things beyond your wildest dreams come true. Things you didn't know you needed. And he might even tell you that your wildest dreams aren't as helpful as you think. He'll fix your heart. He'll make death no more. More than we could imagine. In fact, consider this passage in Romans. God demonstrates his own love for us in this. We understand the, the depth of God's love. While we were still sinners, enemies of God, Christ died for us. Could you imagine an enemy giving up themselves for you? That you're sentenced to death and your enemy comes and says, hey, I'll take that. I'll take that death for them. That's, be, that's way beyond what I could imagine. That doesn't even make sense. It doesn't seem even fair. Who could have imagined our God, our creator, our father in heaven, who we rebel against, giving himself so that we could be family again. Us who chase the cravings of our flesh that we hear about in Ephesians 2, making things all about us. Even on our best days, we just create man-made systems where we try to appease God so that he would do things for us. And that God beyond our imagination says, I'm coming. I love you so much. I'm going to rescue you and make you family. You never saw this coming. We love so many things, so much of the creation around us, and often forget to love our creator. Who could ever conceive of this creator? Who'd go to these lengths to make us this family, to give us this future, to reveal the mystery of the gospel, this good news to us? And not just that, who would imagine he'd then use us to help more people know that? It's unimaginable. What love, what love that's inconceivable. And that's what Paul's praying for. He's saying, I pray that that love, that you'd understand that, that that would dwell deep in your hearts and that it would change us. Because that love is what's going to change us. And what is it? He just wants to remind us of all that we've heard already. This is just a quick survey. I just went back and just glanced through, skimmed through my first few chapters of Ephesians. What are just some of the things that we nurture? This is just what he wants to sink in to us. This is all that God has done. He's blessed us with spiritual blessings. He chose us before the creation of the world. He wants to make us holy and blameless. It was his pleasure and will to adopt us. He wanted us. He freely has given us Christ. Offers redemption and forgiveness. Lavishes all of this on us. He doesn't just drip it on us like you can have a little bit. Just pours it on us. He's made known the mystery of Christ. He brings unity to all things. He's, he's sealed us with the Holy Spirit. The promise of a day when all things are right, the power of the Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is now within us. We were dead and we were made alive. We walked in our own way. Now we walk in God's way. We're objects of wrath. And we are now God's handiwork. 
We were doing our own fleshly work and now we're joining God's work, deserving of wrath, now given life, shown kindness through incomparable grace, saved, rescued, freed, made alive, united, made family, made whole. It's just grace upon grace upon grace upon grace upon grace upon grace. What love! Paul wants us to, he's asking, God, help us understand this so that would fill us so we would be made whole. If you remember a few weeks back, we talked, Larry Crabb talks about like our core of our inner being, of who we are. We want safety and significance. We're created for that. And then we know who does that. It's in Christ. God gives it to us. He gives it to us right here. So I want that to fill you so that the work you're doing is God's work because he's about to go into the rest of the book of Ephesians and he's going to explain to us what does it look like to live in relationships, whether it's marriage with our kids, with friends, how we're going to fight evil and fight sin. He doesn't want that to come out of us just going like, all right, I got this. I can do this. I'm so strong. I got the power. He says, I pray they'd be full of Christ. So going into that, that would, is what would overflow None of this makes sense otherwise. So what does it look like? How do we become people who the love of Christ really dwells in us and changes us? Just a couple of things. You've heard me say this many times and still is my assessment of my own life. When I sit down every week or two, I just say like, hey, how are you doing? And I'm praying. I say like, how are these things in my life? I want to encourage you. These are places that are going to remind you of this grace upon grace that God has for you and is going to remind you of the great love that Christ has for you. How deep and wide, how far this love goes, how enormous this is, how unimaginable the things are of God that would fill you. Just a reminder that we have have the word of God. What does it look like to just open our Bibles and read and be reminded of who God is and how great he is and the great love he has for us? I'm often reminded of this to the people of God. Oh my, I mean, many of you in in small acts and in enormous acts, things that just continually love me, overflows of that love of Christ into my own life. And even just reminding me days when I need someone to say like, God so loves you. I know you don't feel like it or you don't, maybe you aren't thinking about it. He loves you, he's with you. Loves you way more than we love you. And his spirit, just as Paul does here, praying. What does it look like for us just to pray and say, God, I need you to fill my heart, to change me, that I'd have your fullness in me? Because there is a, a place where just the Spirit has to do that in us. And so praying, God, I want your Spirit to dwell in me and that I would know your love. I'm going to invite our worship team up because one of the ways we do this together is to be reminded of God's Word with God's people and His Spirit. And, and one of the ways those all kind of come together is when we sing. Uh, and, uh, and when we take communion, which we're going to get to do here in a moment, and when we pray together. So a couple of things to consider as we take some time to reflect um, on the gospel here. Do you know the love of Christ? Maybe that's the first step. Have you just said yes to the love of Christ? Have you said yes to this truth that we've heard in Ephesians? Maybe what love powers your emotions or your actions or your thoughts? What, what love is that you're, that you're moving towards or maybe that has been brought to you? What love is it that's powering you? Is it Christ who helps remind you the love of Christ and where will you overflow the love of Christ this week? I encourage you to be filled with that and overflow that. We have an opportunity here to reflect. So we're going to sing together.
Um, there's going to be people in the back of the room willing to pray for you and with you. And maybe you just need this prayer. Just say, I just need you to pray that thing about love. And they can just pray the Spirit would, would, would uh, remind you and that you'd understand this power. And then we also have communion just outside the doors. Uh, we'd love for you to be able to partake in. It's an opportunity to remember the sacrifice that Christ has made on the cross, that great act of love uh, that makes it possible for us to be in God's family. We pray for us, and then we're just going to sing and worship together. Lord, um, I pray this, that out of your glorious riches, you would just enter into our hearts, into our minds, that we would really understand this, that we would just soak it up like a sponge, that we would be connected to you, that you would energize us with your love, that we'd be filled to the fullness of you that we would know that we are safe and significant in you. That we would look to no other for love but to you. Lord, we pray you would fill that. You'd change us through your great love. Thank you that you did far more than we ever could have imagined in rescuing us. I pray that you'd use us to help others know that good news. Amen.